Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to The Ruck. I'm Owen Slot. I am here with Steve Jones. Jonesy, how are you? Very good, Slotty. We're in the deep south of uh, New Zealand now in Dunedin. Uh, a glori- glorious day. We had a fantastic walk on the beach this morning where we saw a basking seal snoozing on the beach. We thought it was dead, but it came back to life. Very happy to say we had a lovely walk and we're in St. Clair, which is right on the beachfront. So be jealous, everybody at home. Oh, I'm glad you're having a nice time, Jonesy. Uh, how um, how long have we been here? We've been here. We've been away from home 13 nights. And uh, how many different beds have you slept in? Including the airline bed, which was meant to be flat. Flat bed was was about as flat as a inverted pancake. It was hopeless. We've been away 13 nights, and we've been in seven separate beds. And, and is that because you are one of New Zealand's most famous Lotharios, or is that just the travel schedule? No, I've got to keep my head down. I don't like to sleep in the same bed more than two nights running because they might catch up with me. No, it's been whistle-stop. I think we've had six uh, hotels here already in less than two weeks and one on, uh, one on the airline, so we're bed-hopping at the moment, and it's quite tiring. Uh, but um, a great, uh, a great display of stamina shown by the media pack um, setting uh, setting the um, agenda for the uh, for the players themselves. The 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 tour though, Jonesy is um, uh, we're feeling bright and sparky, aren't we? What happened in uh, Christchurch on Saturday night has uh, transformed the, the tour. Uh, it, could it, it feels like it is a turning point at the moment. Obviously, we need to go on. Uh, the Lions need to go on further and do better. But uh, that that is the general feeling at the moment. Upbeat, yes. Well, it is because you know you are governed in a way by the morale of the team that you're following. Otherwise, you wouldn't be following them if no one was interested. So, much more upbeat feeling. Woke up in Christchurch feeling good on uh, Sunday morning. Um, Gregory McPollock in the uh, in the New Zealand Herald was, wasn't as happy and blamed the referee. And as, as I said on Sunday, there's only two uh, results you can possibly get in New Zealand. A, uh, New Zealand win the match or B, the referee robbed them. So um, that's what happened clearly at, uh, at uh, in Christchurch on Saturday. But no, it, it, it's upbeat. Uh, the team looked upbeat. Uh, they're clearly together. This thing about oh, all 41 of us together, sometimes you know they aren't. This time you, you, you do really believe that they are united and uh, got a huge game against the Highlanders um, in the uh, Packamac Stadium on uh, tomorrow night. But uh, you know it's it's been good, and uh, they are the tours on the road. Uh, so, Dunedin is it the southernmost rugby test venue in the world? I think so. It, it, I've seen test matches south of this because I've seen test matches in the Cargill in, in the World Cup in about 1823. I saw Wales play Canada down there. But um, it's, it's, it's odd because even uh, Dunedin now is being squeezed out of the test matches. You know, there's, there's not one here this time, which, which is a shame. And if, Dunedin is a funny old place because, you know, when you think, oh, we're going down to Dunedin, you think, oh, my God, you know, South Pole, etc. Well, we're sitting here in shirt sleeves in our Dunedin studios. Um, we, we've hardly worn our fleeces and uh, it's been a gorgeous day. And when, when the town's like this, it really is friendly. Uh, reminds you of Edinburgh a lot, except that it's friendly. 
and um, it's uh, look, it's a great, it's a great place, and uh, really looking forward to the game and the, and the tours alive. Uh, and it, it also has a famous street, Baldwin Street, which um, has got m- many a rubbish writer out of a hole in the past. But Baldwin Street is uh, in the Guinness Book of Records for the, the steepest residential street in the world. And at some point in the next couple of days, someone will trot out an intro saying uh, there is an uphill task ahead of them here. That's a great line. Well, we keep that to ourselves. So we can have that in the in Times and Sunday Times only. But I didn't know about that. Every street here is called Murrayfield Street, Murray Street. Uh, you know, it's all named after Scotsmen. So you do feel, if you're a Scotsman, you feel at home. I agree. This is this is uh, Scotland on sea. Nevertheless, they will be doing a harker. Yeah, well, we're not short hackers. I haven't seen one for 10 minutes on, on, on the trip, but are, they, are the Highlanders going to do a hacker as well? I, I think they are. I'm pretty sure they are. They are. But, but, but in all seriousness, it, it does slightly sort of raise questions about, about the, the roots of the place and, and the culture of the place, because it, it is far more Scottish than it is Maori. It's more about Scotland. That's where the Scottish settlers came here. It's more about Scottish people than, than Maori people. There should, be, there should be a bagpipe reception. Seriously, there should be a bagpipe reception not a harker, I think. I think all the gay Gordons, maybe. I think if they did, if they if they did that, it would be more appropriate. But actually, sometimes the, the hacker just doesn't seem appropriate to anybody. I mean, it's massively appropriate to Maoris. But uh, you know, we've seen enough of them. Uh, they they've ceased to amaze or frighten anyone. But you know, what concerning adults do in their spare time is is up to them, really. So we're here in Dunedin. Lions played here uh, in the, on the last tour, Clive Woodward's tour, uh, 12 years ago. They won 30-19. This was their last game before going on to the most disastrous of, of test series. Um, uh, possibly more famous was the game in 93, which you came to, didn't you? Um, Josh Cronfeld's emergence and a, um, uh, a big statement about the, the, the rugby here. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, first of all, um, the Lions were going like a bomb in 93. Uh, Stuart Barnes, my colleague, was at fly half, then with black hair and no wig. Um, but but he, um, Josh Cronfelt was an unknown then. I always remember him harrying Barnsey. Barnsey kept on trying to clear his lines from his own den ball line and didn't didn't really work. I think Josh put him under pressure. So uh, Barnsey sort of cut down on the training and upped his uh, work in other areas on the, on that tour. But um, also, you've got to remember, this is the, it, rather nostalgically, Otago is the home of rucking. A guy called Victor Kavanagh um, decades ago really developed this idea at the breakdown um, eight forwards would sweep over the ball uh, Peter Fitzsimons Yoshi Locke described it as a multi-adidas centipede this ruck and you get these 16 uh, flashes of aluminium boots for anyone who was lying on the ground and they'd often be caught on the ground and you know the, you didn't hang around now at the moment um, in the in the prissy era where of, of health and safety etc they don't want the ruck in, um, in, in rugby because they think it's dangerous they think people will be kicked which actually they may well do but instead of that you got this awful droning pick and drive round the corner round the corner round the corner well that didn't happen in the old Otago days because at the tackle eight people sprinted over the ball, ball and if you you tended not to hang around there the other thing was that concentrated the forwards into a tiny space on the field all 16 of them because the other lot were trying to push back so it was seven backs against seven backs in ages of space Arguably, that was a much better game then in the uh, when the era when Ruck was king. And, but as you say, we ain't going to see nothing like that tomorrow night, are we? 
No, we're, no, we're not. I think it'll be a, a more more of a Super Twelve sort of game than a real rugby game, like we saw on Saturday, and and the game that the Lions forced the, the Crusaders to play. I think it'll be a bit airy fairy, but very, very important for both sides. Lions have absolutely must keep the momentum up. These. The 23 in the squad for the for the Highlanders game are under the same pressure as the guys that the, the main guys were against the Crusaders. Huge. That, that's something that you definitely get a feeling of around the squad at the moment. The idea that, as you say, we are all one. Uh, Alan Wynne Jones said to the team after the Crusaders game, he said this this wasn't a win by 23; it was a win by 41. We've got to stay that way. And, and as you say, that there is this momentum thing now, which which they genuinely believe in. And and if they uh, go up against a wall and, and fail to hurt, hurdle it again tomorrow, then then there, it will be a serious step backwards, won't it? No question at all, Owen. Um, and, and I'd like to think that the players are just slightly falling behind. I mean, it's so easy to fall behind on this tour. All you've got to have, do is not feel very well and have one poor game. And suddenly you're, you're comp- off the peloton sort of thing. So the likes of uh, Joe Marler, um, uh, uh, best up front, Ian Henderson, the guys who didn't make uh, um, Jonathan Joseph, surely, uh, the guys who didn't make that a massive impression in their first outings, they've really got to catch up and their energy has got to give the whole party energy. I put James Haskell in that uh, group as well, actually. And it's in- interesting, he-, he played for the Highlands for a year in uh, 2012. And-, and he's very popular around here and talked about uh, what a great sort of place it is to come back to play in. I think he's got a bit to go. Players have gone backwards on this tour. I, I would put Liam Williams uh, quite high up on that list. Um, I still think he's a contender for the test team, but uh, he hasn't done anything to show that he should be. Uh, no, he hasn't. And against the Crusaders, he looked like a guy who was absolutely desperate to, uh, or indeed too desperate to play well. I thought he was sort of flighty and, and, and lost a little bit of footballing composure. And he, between him and Anthony Watson, I think uh, but they actually did show some nice things, especially Watson. I think they probably checked away a couple of tries between them. But Liam Williams is a guy who's got to really steady himself and, 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 and show what he can do. Let, let, let's be fair, when Wales came down here last year, apparently he was seen by Kiwis as the danger man. And, and would be the danger man with the Lions. So we'll see. But it, it is a brutal thing, Owen, because, you know, one, one bad game, you suddenly almost be seen as a bad player. That's the brutality of the timetable. I, I actually think that the, the whole picture of the back three is really um, being complicated or blurred by what we've seen so far because so few players have actually put their hands up and, and claimed it. I mean, in a minute, we will go through from uh, 15 uh, uh, to, to 8 all the way through the team to who we think is likely to be in the, in the test team but let's just, just talk a bit more about the, the Highlanders game uh, tomorrow night Steve uh, I'll just run through the team Jared Payne at full back which is interesting I think really interesting that that could be a nod to a possible uh, possible test place uh, Jack Noel Jonathan Joseph Robbie Henshaw Tommy Seymour uh, then Dan Bigger and Reese Webb at half back um, then what looks but most like the third choice front row of Joe Marlowe Best and Carl Sinclair behind them Ian Henderson and Courtney Laws. I say Courtney Laws is possibly the most unlucky man at the moment to be playing midweek. Uh, and the back row is um, uh, James Haskell, Sam Orbison, Fiss again, and CJ Stander. Uh, the the, uh, the Highlanders, as you say, that they're, they're sort of um, uh, super rugby plus, aren't they? I mean, if, if you wanted to pick out a team that that um, that plays plays fast, plays loose, plays um, what uh, they think is very exciting, then it would be them. Uh, 
which is in part because of their stadium, isn't it? The, the indoor stadium. They don't play at the uh, famous House of Pain anymore, uh, where all previous lines have been. Uh, they have this new stadium that was built for the World Cup in 2011 indoors. Um, it's got a grass, uh, a grass, a glass roof. Apparently, it's strong enough for you to put a car on there. I couldn't get my car up there, so I couldn't test it. I was halfway up. I had to come back. Shall we talk about the team itself? What we think is the test team? Not been out you long, and you do feel so sorry for the players. I can't get it out of my head that the team is bound to be underprepared. No question. You, you look at Anthony Watson now. Anthony Watson on Saturday running from the back uh, made some absolutely brilliant dents against the Crusaders when he got near the line he became more and more panicky instead of backing himself he's got joyous gifts if they had a couple more games out here to try him out he could well come through and be the test fullback at the moment they just don't know and it's too much of a risk now that's one that's just one example but um fullback you know you, you Test, test team, fullback. Immediately you run straight into doubt, straight into problems. What do you think? Well, I agree with you on Anthony Watson. I think wonderful, uh, wonderful performance, but he just didn't have the confidence to, to, to back himself. And, and that's not the right player to put in for the first test. Uh, Stuart Hogg is, is pretty much certainly out of the game. We'll hear about that later today. Um, so you're sort of running out of strong candidates. I, I would have put Liam Williams there as well, but as, as just mentioned, he hasn't had a good tour. He had those, um, gave away those two penalties against the Blues uh, last Wednesday, uh, got yellow carded, and I think that's one reason why he was tentative on the Saturday because slightly unsure of himself. So where does that, where does that leave you? I, I'm actually, I actually don't know who he'll play at 15. Uh, there's, there's also the Jared Payne option, which we'll see tonight. There's also the Elliot Daly option, which I didn't think I'd ever be saying, but Elliot Daly's on the bench tonight, which suggests that Warren's got a, a bigger role for him in mind on Saturday. So, so maybe we're him. I mean, of, uh, of all the play- places in this team that I, I wouldn't say with any certainty who's going who's gonna to play there, 15 would be is the biggest doubt for me. 13 remains a question, but that's that's more to do with the uh, the, the, the tactical makeup of, of the midfield. Uh, 15, if, if, I'd, if I had to write if I'd write a name down uh, I'd put Anthony Watson with no certainty at all that's right I, I, so would I and if Anthony Watson had three more games for the test match he'd almost be certain yeah, you know even mentioned Lee Halfpenny there who is a very very <laughs> successful 15 in the last tournament but we just don't know and they just don't have time and I have to say I really back the, this coaching squad to get it to, you know I, I back their wisdom, but it would be a guess whoever whoever they pick. Now you take wing as well, Owen, because George North, everybody writes him down. Well, actually, George was tentative against the Crusaders. Now Jack Nowell, for instance, was anything but tentative in the game before. Does that mean that Jack Nowell is a better player than George North? I just don't know. But I tell you what, if you if you combine the two, you'd have the best winger in the world. But George, on occasion, still looks tentative. George, I think, above everyone else, is still running on reputation rather than form. He still has to show stuff. Uh, he um, uh, He's not very good under the high ball. Uh, so so the lines, as, as I think we conclude, will, there'll be a, 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 a lot of clever, smart um, kicking from Conor Murray, which requires your, your wingers to chase. So George chases very avidly, but he never catches it. He's quite good at catching the opposition if, if, he, if, if he needs to tackle the, the opposition winger. But actually, in terms of reclaiming and recycling himself, uh, he, he is... He, well, he, he, was, he was poor, extremely poor. So, so, who, so, so 
but I, I concede anyway, he's probably going to be one wing. So at the moment, I'd have him on one wing and I'd have Liam Williams on the other and neither of, neither of them have deserved it yet. No, they haven't. But I tell you what, when in doubt in a game like this, I think you pick the footballer and Liam Williams is a footballer. And it's, it's maybe it's not so much a confidence thing because I think he realises, unlike Anthony Watson, how good he is. So I think one of the positions will be Liam Williams, whether that's 15 or, or wing, I don't know. But again, Jack Nowell, what, what has he done wrong? He's effervescent. He's great for morale. And uh, so again, big question marks. Probably agree with you that Liam Williams will be the left wing. Okay, so so to go through the rest of the backs, we really should start at, at nine and go through. Um, uh, so Conor Murray will play nine for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've you know, they got they got a few options there. Conor Murray will definitely play nine. Graham Henry uh, the other day was quoted as saying he's the best nine in the world. Well, you often get a little bit suspicious of uh, when the Greeks come. Sorry, the Romans come bearing gifts. Uh, sorry, is it the Greeks who bear gifts or the Romans? I, th- I think it's the Mary. No, 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 no. In the fo- okay, well, the Maoris, Greeks or Romans bearing gifts, you're always worried about them. But um, I think uh, Graham meant that. Conor Murray had a great game on Saturday. Box kicking excellent. Must be the starter, I would think. And 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 then you get to the question of of what he does or how he plays it. So, uh, but coming here, we seem convinced that he was not going to play a ten twelve of Farrell and Sexton. He's given no indication that he would do that. And then on uh, Saturday in Christchurch, because there were two injuries, he was suddenly forced. It, his hand was forced, and you saw Farrell and Sexton, Sexton and Farrell playing together, and they looked pre- pretty juicy, didn't they? No, I didn't think so. Um, I, I, I wouldn't. I think they both stood up to be counted. Uh, I keep Farrell at ten, no question whatsoever. I wouldn't go back to that ten twelve thing. I wouldn't play one fly half in the centre because you don't. You, you feel guilty. He's not in at ten. And the only question for me is whether Tio or Henshaw plays at twelve outside Owen Farrell. So you weren't impressed by any of their work together, the way they, uh, the, the line breaks they created, the way they put people through holes. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think he'll play it, but I think that the argument was, was put forward and it was quite a strong one. No, I wasn't impressed, no. Okay, right. <laughs> At 12, um, Ben Tio's definitely um, made a statement. Robbie Henshaw has a chance tonight. At the moment, Tio's got it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, again, you would just love it if there were three more games, but he's got something about him. He's got composure. Uh, let's hope he's not, you know, let's hope he's learning rapidly. I'd uh, love to see him have one more great game at 12. Um, and the only drawback, Owen, with, with your 10 12 combination, as it turned out, due to injury was that it forced Teal to go to 13 and I'm sure that Warren in a way hated that because he wanted Teal to have the whole game at 12 just to see yeah, 13 also is um, is a harder position defensively and I'm not sure that Teal is is quite used to that quite it, it, the idea that you can just shove him out a little bit further is is um, is somewhat too simple so at th- 13 13 sort of after the fullback position is the hardest one to 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 wink in because uh, anyone who's played 13 has either done a poor job or has got injured so Jonathan Davis w- went off with HIA um uh, Jared Payne didn't last the whole game that he played in uh, so all of a sudden Jonathan Joseph has a, a chance here personally I think 
John and Davis will be back on Saturday and Warren Gatlin will be absolutely hoping that he puts in a performance to to justify his his selection there. I'm sure that, that, that Gatlin wants him in, in the 13 shirt. I totally agree. I think that um, Jonathan Davis just has to give one classic Jonathan Davis performance on Sunday. Not a half-paced um, one. It has to be himself, but if he's not himself, he's back in the melting pot. But at least there's some clarification there. Payne, it was a shame he couldn't complete the job at the outside centre. Jonathan Joseph would have to play completely out of his skin against the Highlanders uh, because Jonathan Davis is, is the class act. Were you worried? So for the 25 odd minutes that um, Jonathan Davis was on the pitch, he was uh, against the Crusaders. He was handed two peaches of a pass from Farrell, which put him through holes. And, and he's, he um, dropped one of them and then fluffed, his, fluffed the scoring pass for the next one. Did that bother you or, or, or do we put that in the bracket of it's their first game together, this is what you expect? Uh, well, of course, of course, it, it would bother you if you're a Lions fan because, I mean, to, to score within 60 seconds of the start when John, George North was outside him and he and Jonathan gave a really poor pass, well, it was terrible. Passing to his passing to his right may be a little bit more difficult, but uh, no, that, that would worry you. But uh, it's like, um, you know, someone like... Uh, Tiger Woods in his pomp. Uh, if he, you know he misses a green 19, 19 times out of twenty, doesn't mean doesn't mean he's a terrible golfer. So I think uh, you know Jonathan Davis still got it all to do, but he is the favourite because he, he he's class at thirteen. Okay, right. We'll we'll, we'll um, move on to the scrum now, Jonesy. Uh, I don't. Um, I haven't got it straight in my head what Warren wants from his front row. I think Ty Furlong is guaranteed to start as the tight head, uh, but he's got he then has he's he's got two different front rows, isn't he? One one is the one with Mako and Jamie George in, uh, which sort of makes sense for Jamie George because there's a strong there's going to be a Saracen in the in the lineouts for sure. Um, but but that's your more ball carrying front rowers and, and less your scrummagers. And I'm slightly worried about Mako scrummaging still. Uh, so, so you got that versus the the uh, the other um, uh, test possible loose head is Jack McGrath with um, uh, Ken Owens, the Welsh hooker, in uh, between him and Ty Furlong. Where, what, what's your view on that one? Difficult. It's much more. It's much closer than we thought it would be. Um, I think that we. I think we're overdoing the the doubts about uh, Makovunipola scrummaging. We're overdoing them. There was one horrendous time where the the the, the uh, Crusaders got under them at Canterbury. I, I'm not really worried. I don't think that Jack McGrath is as a, a better scrummager by such a margin as to, for for the Lions to stop or to ignore. Vunipola's amazing, amazing power and versatility and staying power in the loose. So. Uh, it's Jack McGrath's a great player. So is Mako. I think they'll stay Mako, and uh, I, I don't think Mako will be under any, any problems. I really don't. And, and then if you if you play Mako, then you play Jamie George as well, and go for your your quicker, um, uh, more versatile handling front row. It, Ken Owens has really impressed me. I mean, I thought Ken was the third was the third hooker coming out here. Really impressed me. Like his attitude, has got this steeliness about him. Uh, also, he likes um, uh, camping apparently, which I think is is, is a strong suit for a hooker. Um, I, I, I think Ken Owens is right in there. I, re, I really do. I don't think um, I don't think they look upon it as a sort of Saracens partnership. I don't think that's the way it goes. But. Uh, I don't think either, any of the hookers are absolutely, totally world-class. I think Ken Owens is really breathing down the neck of Jamie George now. And a tight head prop, uh, Furlong really impressed me. I just think he's, 
a little bit heavy, but um, hopefully, uh, you know, he does stay. Uh, Mackle gave him a huge tribute on Saturday, saying these are he's immovable. So that's what we want: the immovable Irish tight head. Uh, in um, behind him in in the second row, it seems seems to me like there's two from three that haven't quite worked out yet. Uh, Alan Wynne Jones uh, would appear to be Warren Gatland's preferred option. He was captain on Saturday. If if Sam Warburton doesn't make it for the first test, which he said he might not do, then your your most likely captain is Alan Wynne. So he he gets he gets a little bit of help from that versus uh, George Crew, whose um, line out work in particular was was. Uh, immaculate against the Crusaders uh, they did uh, under the uh, Crusaders lineup particularly well but, there, but then we have uh, Maro Itoje coming on um, who's spent a lot of time talking about Northern Irish politics with Ian Henderson incidentally um, but but not during the ga- that game uh, where he had 15 minutes uh, and, and it was just it was it was Maro's supercharge wasn't it Oh look! Well, I mean, three three great locks there, and that, that's a tough one. You know, it's easy to say, "Look, tell what we'll do. We'll we'll keep Marrow off, and we'll put him on Marrow told you off. We we'll put him on for the last twenty. He'll come on as he did against Crusaders and storm storm round." I think New Zealanders are really impressed by him, and the reason why I think they are is that no one mentions him. They usually, if they're not impressed with him, they start getting stuck into him. But no one's got stuck into Marrow. Alan Wynne Jones and uh, Cruz. I mean, Cruz. Would you dare leave him out? He, he got a big decision in the lineout over Sam Whitelock and, and, and all his supporting cast. Mucked up six or seven. The Crusaders throws. I, I I'm sorry, but Warren is dogmatically refusing to to um, consider uh, Itoji as a six, which is where I'd pick him. Then you can play all three. Get your three best players on the field. Marrow, Marrow at six. Sorry for all the other uh, blindside flankers. That's how I would. It's not running away from the issue. That's how I would play them. Jones, I, I would just so love to disagree with you there, but I would have Marrow at six as well. Uh, I think he, I think if you if he comes on for, for twenty minutes and has a stormer, then the first thing you ask is, well, couldn't we've seen him for a bit longer? Absolutely. So I would like to see him from the start. Um, uh, but there's been no indication that he'll play six, none whatsoever. I think um, uh, if we assume that Sam Warburton's unlikely to make it, but that's um, that's a, a big a, a big guess because we, we'll have to see how he plays tomorrow night. But um, he probably won't make it. So I think the back row is straightforward: two Irish flankers, Amani and O'Brien, uh, and then Falatau at number eight. In the test match. Yeah, I wouldn't have either of your Irish flankers, even though they played really well last week. I think O'Brien played well, but not brilliantly. I don't think he slowed down enough ball as a seven. And with Sam Warburton, you know, I think with Sam, he's a lovely fellow, a great captain, etc. I think Sam has to feel in his head that he is 157% right. He frets, he sits there in press conferences, very open, frets about the machine he's got on his leg and he's two two percent short, this, that and the other. I think really Warren say, Sam, you're playing in the team, get out there and lead the Lions. You think he should be told to do that rather than convince himself? Because as you say, he, he, he said yesterday, he said, I need two games to feel good and then the third game I can play well. And if that's stuck in your head, then it's hard to shift, isn't it? It is hard to shift, but I mean, look, he's a great fellow and he's not pompous in any way. I think, you know, these days a lot of players will tell you, you say, are you fit Are you fit again? They say, well, look, you're never really fit. You've always got something. Jonesy, when you're on tour, how long does it take you to, to, to start really performing? Really performing? Oh, blimey. When I go in through the arrivals lounge, I'm, I'm straight into it. And honestly, I don't need to feel great. In fact, I rarely feel great. I'm always on form. No, look, I'm, I, I'm not getting it, Sam. I'm not saying he's putting anything on, but come on, he's the captain. 
98% Sam, that'll do us because you, you're a really good player. And uh, my blind side, if it's not Maro Toji, would be Haskell because he's bigger, bru more brutal, harder. And then you can always put on uh, O'Mahony for the last 20. And, and hasn't played anything like to form for 11 months. Well, I think he's. I think he's. You know, he admits that the toe hurt him longer than we thought. But um, I think he's. I think he, in in his performance the other day, I uh, thought he. I thought he was really good, and I think he's ready. Okay, I mean, if you don't think he's um, playing that well, fine. But uh, we'll have to disagree on that. Okay, we we. Um, I'm sorry, listeners, we're disagreeing on that. Uh, Haskell got a big game tonight, and um, we shall see. Okay, moving on. It's not just the uh, the Lions out here in New Zealand at the moment, though. Uh, England women are on tour here. Uh, they uh, are in Rotorua on Saturday. Uh, the Lions play the Maori in Rotorua on Saturday. But England women are playing the New Zealand women, the Silver Ferns. Uh, Jonesy, the, the, the England women are going well, aren't they? They are going well. Um, I've got a few anxieties. I mean, um, they, they, they hammered Australia in their first game. Only been here a few days, but they really hammered Australia. We won't know the result when this podcast comes out of the England-Canada game, which takes place uh, tomorrow. Uh, but um, then, as you say, they got the Silver Ferns, uh, sorry, the Black Ferns on Saturday in Rotorua. Now, two things worry me. First of all, Australia should be so much better than they are, but they have de devoted themselves toward to, to sevens. That is ruinous. And that is when the rise of sevens becomes a bad thing for the 15s. The Canadian team out, out here who play in England and have already uh, played well against New Zealand, but lost, they've, they've left their sevens team at home. Now that is preposterous. Sevens is not the main event, however gaudy it is, however much you love it. So that has devalued this four-team tournament. I think the two best teams are England and South Africa, uh, England and uh, New Zealand, and I think it'd be a, a, a great game. It'd be a major rehearsal for what is likely to be the World Cup final, not definite, but likely. I think that uh, England forwards, Tamara Taylor, uh, Harriet Miller-Mills, um, they got uh, um, Abby Scott is now fit again. They got some tremendous forwards uh, experience up front. They got obviously got Emily Scarrett in the centre. It's about time she really, you know, threw herself into it. A bit like Anthony Watson. Remember how good you are, Emily, and 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 really go for it. Daniel Waterman um, came is back at fullback for the Canada game. I think we'll play against the All Blacks. Really massive game, uh, massive for momentum. And should they win that, it'll really send the girls into their pre World Cup uh, stage in. Fantastic fettle. Great game. Really looking forward to it. Good. Also, just on, on non-Lions subject, did you see the um, England game, England-Argentina? It was... Um Oh well, it was it was a fantastic contest. George Ford played like he had, like he did in 2014. He was um, he was electric and confident and uh, kicked brilliantly. Uh, there were there were um, a, a amazing performances a, a across the pitch from players who hadn't been in an England shirt before. Uh, Denny Solomona, we're going to hear and see a lot more of him, I think. Uh, he, he missed two tackles, conceded two tries, and then uh, and then scored the, the winning try out of nothing. Yeah, I did. I saw glimpses of it, and um, I take your word for it. And Solomona, you know, he's obviously going to have to. I think if you give away two tries and score one, you're never going to get anywhere. However brilliant the try was, and that, that might be a bit um, cynical, but uh, what uh, again worries me massively was Argentina. All the clips I've seen, it looked like super rugby froth. 
Argentina are not a team to bung the ball all over the field and take on teams at that team's game. What has happened to their fantastic forward base, their power, their passion and their, and their energy? The Pumas should have put away England by 30 points and they failed. And I, I, I thought their attitude and their tactics were pitiful. How is it? That, that was the Argentina that played in exactly that way in the World Cup and, became, and came within a whisker of being Australia and making a World Cup final? No, 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 absolutely not. The Argentina team, for instance, played against Ireland, subdued Ireland up front, and they only ran the ball wide when it was on and very wide, and they were, their backs were superb. But this lot were just... Willy, willy, they never earned the right to go wide, which they haven't, and they've not played anything like as well since that game. They went back to Super Rugby uh, style in the semi-final against Australia and were out of it before they even started. Tactics absolutely disgraceful. OK, we're going to finish on a new feature on the ruck, which, we, which we've put our heads together and come up with something really we've clever. We've been rehearsing this. We've yeah. been rehearsing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Uh, it, should, it should have a jingle, um, but it doesn't. And, we, and maybe we should have a prize as well. So we're going to nominate a, a Lion of the Week, uh, a, a Lion that has particularly impressed us. Uh, Steve, do you, do you want to go first with your nomination for Lion of the Week? Do you mean Lion or Lion? Uh, lion, as oh, in... A, lion of the Week. Yeah, lion it's of the week. Some, okay. yeah I, I told you that we'd, um, we worked on this quite hard yeah, we, it's a lion the week as a player okay my, my lion of the week probably uh, was Owen Farrell because I know we always have him as lion of the week but there's something about that bloke that's, that's unshakable he's like he's like like steel personified so my lion of the week is Owen Farrell okay. my lion of the week is uh, a player who we won't see in the test squad um uh, but has been a very welcome member for, for a number of reasons. He leads the England singing of Jerusalem, uh, which you wouldn't have thought uh, would be Kyle Sinclair, but it is. He has come over so well as a personality on this tour. Uh, Jones, you, you've sat through a million and one of the most boring press conferences uh, in the world, and, and we've, got, we've had a fair few of them here. Kyle Sinclair comes through, and he refuses to tow party line or to have his personality tamed by the... Uh, the the requirements of, of talking to the media and he comes and he tells the story of his life and it's absolutely wonderful so today he told us about his uh, his upbringing as a center and a fly half uh, and his disappointment when someone pulled him by the by the collar and said no no you're going to be a tight head from now on he is absolutely in awe of this whole lions thing he, he he's like a he's like a pupil who, who's it is is on a learning experience uh, he said today he was asked if it, if he was disappointed that he wasn't going to be, that he was unlikely to be in the test team or if he wasn't in the test team, how would he feel? And he said, uh, this jersey is so much bigger than Kyle Sinclair. At the moment, that is my quote of the tour. Um, he's, he's a wonderful man and uh, he should be encouraged um, to talk and to share his personality with the rugby world. Do you know what? There's a big lesson there. I know you're really not tongue in cheek, you meant it, but I, I think that there's a lesson there for all the media managers who were raising away all the personalities of all the players in all the sports. And it, can I just give you my line of the week? Not line, line of the week. I drove down uh, all the way from uh, Dunedin to, sorry, from Christchurch to Dunedin, down the imaginatively named Highway 1. Uh, it's a long old drive, but Nick Kane, the moose, was, was driving. He was uh, he's uh, a failed Formula 1 driver. But at one stage, we were going very, very slow in the slow lane. So I said, Moose, why are we in the slow lane? And the Moose thought for a minute, he said, because we're going effing slow. 
Thank you, Fangio. On that note, we'll wrap it up for now. Jonesy, thank you very much. Um, good luck with whatever bed you're sleeping in tonight. And um, we will be back uh, with the, the Ruck episode number million and two on Thursday after the team for the Mary game has been announced. Uh, stay with us. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, and we'll be back soon. Mm-hmm.